Hey, Randy. How are you? Excellent. Great to have you on here. Appreciate it. This is uh, number eight, episode 85 of uh, Tech Sales Insights. And uh, we are honored today to have George Hope. He's the Senior Vice President, Worldwide Head of Partner Sales at HP. Uh, old school speak, I would call him a uh, channel chief and certainly has uh, done a lot of great things in his career and uh, doing a lot, a lot of great things uh, with HP as well. Uh, we have a topic today called the future of partnering, uh, which will definitely be great to uh, get to. And uh, we always have a uh, sales community sponsor as a sponsor of the show. So today we are honored to have uh, Sendoso. They're the uh, gifting platform sponsor of uh, sales community. And um, I've uh, in enjoyed doing lots of work with them. It's uh, amazing. They've uh, you think about you know gifting is you know kind of a, a basic thing, but they uh, have done uh, a lot of amazing automation. Uh, have raised uh, based on valuation, which is crazy. I think last round valuation was like six hundred million dollars, but uh, they do a lot to automate into your uh, CRM system. So if you want to send something to customers or partners or whatever, and there's you know trackers that, that go into everything from uh, gift cards or wine events or uh, charity cards. Starbucks cards, all, all kinds of different things. So definitely very cool. And um, as always, uh, also brought to you by Sales Community. If you want to learn more and sell more, come to Sales Community, the home of the CRO. Uh, Tucker can maybe post up, but we've got a uh, special going for a free year. You can do salescommunity.com slash summer free. So uh, by way of introduction of George, uh, I was talking to uh, Pat O'Dell last week, who runs uh, CPP, who is a... Uh, good partner. We're going to try and be neutral here, but uh, I think they're one of the uh, better partners of uh, HP and uh, confirm or deny. But anyway, so some uh, great comments that he had about you, George. Uh, he said, I really like working with George. His uh, quarterly updates and one slide dashboards are outstanding. They provide lots of data that lets me see trends along all solution sets. Uh, really is uh, well above what other uh, companies provide me. His background is diverse and he understands his competition well. When we talk, he solicits the bad news as well as the good. Always looking for ways to improve the channel experience. George is an overall great guy to work with. People work better with people they like. George is definitely that person. So it's pretty nice. Sounds like I own something. <laughs> <laughs> support, the, uh, support the endorsement. No, that's a great guy. I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, great, great uh, re regional business, and uh, sounds like you know growing, uh, growing some uh, geographically as well. And um, as far as you and I were trying to think back, I think we've known each other uh, probably uh, over 35 years back from uh, early on EMC days. Uh, if there's guilt by association with um, you uh, growing up with uh, Mitch Breen and uh, Natick, so you guys uh, were, were always uh, together and doing do, doing great things. Uh, you're certainly you know, known to be really highly respected in the, in the channel and uh, you had 18 years at EMC, SimpliVity three years. And then uh, when SimpliVity sold to HP, uh, you've been there, I think, over five years now. So uh, yeah. you know, that may be worthy of a, a book unto itself in terms of you know, sur surviving from a small company like that into a big company like HP. Certainly fantastic reputation. Uh, lots of trusted uh, partner relationships, which is probably you know, job one within the channel world. Highly respect in the industry. Uh, what some may not know is you're a singer in a band, and you're uh, moving from uh, North Attleboro, Massachusetts, to Charleston, South Carolina. So, any folks watching that are in uh, Charleston, Big South Carolina, there. certainly, def yeah, definitely look them up. That definitely be better in the in the winter. And uh, most importantly, certainly a, a great husband and, and, and father. So, look forward to what we have here. Uh, for those watching along, uh, you can see us or hear us. We cannot see you. And um, uh, we've got Tucker behind the scenes helping. So feel free to post any comments or ask any questions and we will do our best to get to those. So uh, George, jumping right in here, why don't you make it about your professional background? Well, you, 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 cut me out. you could have just kept going and done the whole thing for me. You've been very, very, very thorough, Randy. But no, I've um, like you said, I've been in uh, I've been in HPE for the last five years. I came over in the Simplicity acquisition uh, back in 2017. So technically, I've been here for eight and a half years. But um, and prior to that, uh, was was EMC for 17. So I had uh, I was a, a I kind of double dipped at uh, at EMC. So you and I met 
1987, I think, when uh, when I first started there. And, 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 uh, and I, I, was, I had a lot of hair, and you had a little bit more hair. <laughs> yeah, mine was darker. I don't know if I had more. <laughs> I probably had a little bit more. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So I was, you know, so was there. Then uh, worked at a company called Future Electronics for for nine years, uh, running you know one of their businesses in the Northeast, and then uh, and back to EMC for 17, and then. Great opportunity came up at Simplivity to uh, to be part of a startup. Hadn't done that, and uh, really enjoyed the, uh, the the culture of having to having to do everything. Right, you couldn't just recommend it; you had to actually do it. <laughs> you know, and build it up from scratch. And then, and then obviously, my last five years at uh, at HP have been awesome. It's a great, great, great company, and uh, and still learning certainly. So that uh, that helps. Oh, that, that's great. So uh, obviously HP is massive. So if some, you know, if you're on a plane with somebody and they say, "What does uh, HPE do?" What do you say? <laughs> well, first of all, we're you know we, we have to explain that we're not the the, the laptop and printer HP. Oh yeah. That they've known. I, I, so I, I have to get into oh, that. You, work, you know, you work at HP. You work at HP. Oh, can you help me? Like that? Nah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we're about, I think we're seven years into, into that, uh, that change. But so you kind of have to explain that it's, that it's around business, but um, with server network and storage. But more, more than anything, you know, our value proposition now is we're the edge to cloud company, right? And we are, uh, so the good news there is that we're, we're providing what people are looking for in a cloud experience regardless of where your data is, whether it's in the public cloud, the private cloud, in a colo, in, in, in an edge, you know, where, where a ton of, uh, of data is being created. So we kind of bring the cloud to you, but different, different from our competitors. We have edge competitors that don't have a cloud business, and we have cloud competitors that don't have an edge business. So we're, we're creating that experience from edge to cloud. And the, the differentiator there is that Cloud isn't a destination; it's an experience, as I said. So, you don't you want that experience, but you still want control and performance and sovereignty and things of that nature. So, uh, so we kind of we bring that all together because it's all about the the customer and the partner experience. That's our our North star. So, in trying to explain it in a, in, a, in an elevator, that's that's, really <laughs> that's tough. And uh, you know, from a, a competitor perspective, I mean, on the one hand, you almost could, uh, you know com compete with everybody. So, how do you look at the uh, competitive landscape? Well, I mean, we we technically do compete with uh, with a lot of areas. I mean, we compete with with traditional infrastructure sellers, and we compete with cloud sellers. And I think. Uh, and the beauty of us is that we we bring the best of all worlds together for you. So you don't yeah. you don't have to choose. I think we had a, a a TV clip was choose choose not to choose, right? So I, I think we we bring everything to the table in a in you know in a complete fashion. So as much as we compete with everybody, I don't know that we I don't know that we, that that there is anybody that competes across the spectrum that we're able to to help yeah. customers. That's great. So, I mean, the, uh, you know, kind of ultimately if you think about kind of a one-stop shop, you know, there's obviously you know, a lot of different groups within HPE, but I would think that'd be a kind of huge value prop to, you know, a lot of your customers, you know, kind of from a uh, one throat to choke perspective. Yeah. And, and across, you know, across multiple segments, across multiple uh, verticals from, from the edge to the cloud, right? There are, you know, there are three things that are, you know, three, uh, mega trends going on right now around cloud data and edge, right? You need to have that connectivity at the edge. Uh, tons of data is being created at the edge that needs to be moved around. The cloud could be anywhere. And data is data is turning into an asset. Uh, as Antonio said, it's uh, it's an asset that's, you know, soon to be on a balance sheet, right? It's not just about having the, the data itself. It's the information and the insights that you get from it. So, you know, we provide that uh, that that complete package, you know, from from soup to nuts. Yeah, and uh, you know, Antonio certainly has done a great job. Uh, you know, way, way back when we were peers, so I don't know what that says about me, but uh, certainly it's been great to see him really take take the reins and uh, especially making a huge mark with the kind of shift with everything as service focus. Yeah, Antonio's a, a modern success story from that perspective. I mean, he was. Uh, he was in the call center 
uh, you know, 30 years ago, and now he's the, the CEO. So, um, so, you know, kudos to anybody in our call center today. Uh, that uh, that that could be that could be your calling. He's definitely uh, done some aggressive things, and I think the good news is that when he took over, um, he made some, you know, he made some declarations that that have actually proven to be true. A little bit like Nostradamus, I guess. But uh, you know, he said the world is going to be hybrid, and and the pandemic has certainly accelerated yeah. the move to cloud. Right, cloud enabled, data driven, and edge centric were kind of his quotes from a few years ago. And that's all proved to uh, to, to play out. And, uh, and he said that everything uh, in, in 2018, he said that everything was gonna be available uh, in our portfolio as a service by 2022. And here we are, and it is. So, um, you know, it's all it's all coming to fruition, which is great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, uh, thinking on the recruiting side, right? So if you're, you know, somebody's looking to come to HPE on the channel side or just kind of the go-to-market side, you know, sales side, you know, you, you definitely have a lot of, you know, kind of smaller companies that could be exciting, but I would think kind of now, you know, market turn a little bit, you know, having a kind of bigger, stable company uh, could be a little bit more secure with, with still a lot of upside. Um, what, what do you yeah. tell recruits these days? I, I would say, you know, think of us as a as a startup with a lot of money, right? I think we have we have a stable foundation in the product that we're selling, but we're we're moving the business to, um, you know, to to as a service. So, uh, you know, I hate to say best of both worlds again, but you can yeah. anybody that wants to join us can come in. Uh, the culture is awesome. The vision's great. Uh, the strategy has been validated. We just came back from our Discover event uh last or two weeks ago in uh in vegas uh, the customers are buying into uh to our vision the partners are buying into our vision and we're continuing to innovate right we're performing while we transform so we have that foundation of product business but the customers are ultimately driving you know driving the direction the consult the, the the customers have to satisfy their customers and yeah. their needs are ever changing, so they need to be more effective. And like I said, leveraging data and, and cloud. So uh, our customers want to consume things differently, so we need to offer them differently. So we're on a journey, right, to take partners from you know the way they used to consume to to the future. And we're and my job is to take the partners on that journey, right, and to uh, enable them at whatever pace their customers dictate. To, to come on that journey with us. And so when when I think of, you know, recruiting people, right, it's it's an opportunity to, in a stable environment with a very aggressive vision and bold goals to to, to transform, right? We're, we're transforming a product company into an as-a-service company. That's never happened, right? So any, uh, you know, any talent out there that, that thinks they can contribute to that, and would like to you know, make their mark on on the business by being a part of that. We we absolutely welcome to welcome them to come forward. Awesome, yeah. I mean, one, one thing you talk about culture. I mean, thing uh, I always found you know awesome is you know, leadership is going to come and go, but there's always this stability that really customers and partners just trust that then the H is going to do the right thing. Everybody's going to have issues and, you know, product and company, you know, whatever little speed bumps. But ultimately, you know, customers and especially partners, you know, partners have to trust what's the margin profile going to be, what's the offering, or is, it, is HP going to be strong enough and good enough so that way, you know, my, my company can exist. And, you know, through, you know, all the years, you know, ever, you know, way before we were there, that just seems to be, you know, one of the strong suits. That is the legacy, right? We always talk about partnering is in our DNA. And you know Antonio continues to um, he continues to call that out, and uh, and and we live by that. I think we had our partner advisory board a couple of months back, and the feedback we got from the partners is a lot of you know a lot of companies create offerings with a direct motion, and then figure yeah. out how to bolt on the channel, and uh, we we bake we bake channel into the recipe from the beginning. Right, so it's 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 part of it's just part of what we do. So, you know, it's a pleasure to lead an organization that that uh, that gets 
you know, that, that, that's how to partner. Yeah, that's great. So speaking of uh, leading your uh, partner organization, we have our title uh, topic is the future of partnering. Um, so w- what are some of the things you think about with that? I think I think the uh, you know back to what I said with the journey we uh, we announced at Discover that our that our partner program was evolving, and uh, so we have a, a foundational program uh, that partners that partners have been a part of that's a, you know an industry leading program that's designed around selling product, right? It has metallic tiers and you know certifications. Learn about how to sell our stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the future, the future is that partners are developing multiple personas, right? So when we used to say you're a reseller, you're a distributor, you're an SI, you're an SP, we, you know, we have partners today that are that are consultants and service providers and resellers and and potentially ISVs at times. So they're, it's not about what they are, it, it's more about what they do. So we're. You know, we, we look at the, the future of partnering saying, hey, how do we contemplate partners with multiple personas and how do we give them the experience to be several different things? When we look at, we look at where the partners are converging, um, partners want to lead with their own IP, right? Yeah. That's the differentiator, right? Selling somebody else's IP could potentially commoditize your, own, your, your value proposition. But if you're adding your secret sauce or your IP to something, it it's, it creates more more stickiness from you for you. The second piece is there are more managed offerings coming out of the partner community, meaning more of them are becoming MSPs, either in a sense that they're they're managing your gear that's on your prem, or maybe up to and including owning gear on your prem or owning gear on yeah. their prem, but providing you with with a, a with a consumption or subscription experience from from their own data center. The third piece is around uh, more of a pivot to ARR, right? ARR is driving higher valuations for resellers, and what we're seeing um, what we're seeing is a lot of private equity money is coming into the business. There were 300 acquisitions uh, in in the U.S. of of different resellers where uh, Companies are building kind of the Uber partner, expanding base through multiple partners, picking up expertise, picking up managed services or app dev or whatever, and combining them into one bigger entity and moving them towards recurring revenue. Maybe the exit strategy is uh, driving higher valuations with the recurring revenue. Maybe the exit strategy is just, you know, building this bigger thing and taking it public. But there's more, there's more opportunity there. So. When you think about where you need to be from a partnering perspective, you need to accommodate that versus uh, just you know kind of watching out. And we believe yeah. we're and absolutely doing that. That's great. And there's uh, you know certainly lots of large partners, but I'm, I continue to be amazed. There's a lot of these, uh, I don't want to say mom and pops, but you know a lot of these smaller you know channel partners that might be you know kind of five to ten million dollar you know re- revenue, but you know a lot of those that are still around and and, and still growing, right? You would think the Larger players would just eat them, but they, you know, everybody seems to be kind of creating their own swim lane, and I guess different uh, value chain as well for customers. Yeah, there's you know you to you have to have some uniqueness and differentiation to survive, right? You can't, and that's that's where everybody is heading from a partner perspective. You can't you can't just sell stuff. Right? You have to have right. you have to have some some IP in it. I mean, you can you can sell stuff, but you're it's it's very competitive, right? And people can go on the internet and buy anything that you know that you would you would want to sell them. So without being able to wrap wrap something in with it, it's very it's very difficult to differentiate. But but a lot of those companies are being aggregated based on their unique capabilities to just to build a bigger mousetrap. Yeah, that's great. And um, if you think about kind of behavior, you've mentioned a lot, but anything else that would come to mind around kind of what the behaviors are of some of your best partners? Well, I think they're, I, I think the, the best partners get the fact that, you know, that this as a service thing is a journey. From our perspective, the ones that understand that, um, that the public cloud um, hits the wall, right, from, 
what which workload, how many workloads you can actually move into it. So we kind of look at it like, uh, you know, 75, 80% of the workloads still in the data center. If you listen to AWS, I think, you know, six, seven months ago, Andy Jassy said that their opportunity is still 95% of the workload. So uh, there's a lot that's already in the public cloud, and uh, but there are a lot of reasons why everything can't go to the public cloud, you know, data sovereignty or performance. My favorite one is app entanglement, right? One of the consultants said that uh, every application has to communicate with anywhere from five to 15 other applications, right? So if, if you know, we have one application in your data center that needs to communicate with an application you have in the cloud, you're gonna have a, a latency challenge. So uh, so our, our goal is to say to partners, hey, look, you know, the other, the other 70 to 80% of the workloads that can't go in the public cloud, you know, the customers are in the public cloud for a reason. They're looking for that experience as we talked about before. So what if we can give them that experience in their data center? Yeah. Right, so it's an opportunity. I think our, our best partners see the opportunity to expand, expand that experience within their customers while maintaining, uh, you know, maintaining customer control. Right, and if they're adding their their unique IP on top of that, and leveraging our GreenLake as an example, and bringing in some you know some uh, some ISV based capabilities that we might not have, they're not the general contractor. They're you know they're in charge of their own destiny, which you know which we want to support them in doing. Yeah, and I would imagine there's some. I mean, I know there's there's challenges talking to some of the different. Uh, you know, channel partners, right? I mean, they're all, all their DNA is wired to product resale, get margin, you know, kind of keep going. But now you have obviously the whole kind of as a service shift is kind of what customers want. So, you know, certainly within, you know, HP kind of changing that paradigm, which I think has been going really well. But then, you know, what it, I would imagine you have challenges with channel partners kind of go, going through that to say, look, this is, <laughs> it's not where the puck is going. It's where the puck is right now. Yeah, yeah, well, you have to, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's perform and transform, right, at the same time. Uh, it's, they have to, you know, they have to keep the lights on with their existing business, but the puck is going towards as a service, and there are some complexities that you kind of have to rewire your organization uh, to be able to, uh, to manage, like you said, you know, compensation, right? So partner sales rep wants instant gratification, so how do you, how do you create the incentive plan? Because uh, the ARR is better for the company, but right. doing a quick deal is better for the rep. How do you how do you balance that? And that I think is is a lot of the transition and the transformation that a lot of the partners are making. Some faster than others. Uh, you know, some have different sales forces focused on uh, you know the the as a service business versus the regular business. Some have to finesse it with uh, in other ways, but. Um, it's a it's a challenge and an opportunity like anything, right? It's you know it's where the world's going, so we all have to get there. It's just we talk about it all the time. It's it's the it's the pace, right? And and you as a partner have to do it at at the pace that you believe is necessary to to keep your business on track, and that's typically going to be dictated by your customers, right? If your customers are all moving towards that, and then then you have to meet you have to meet them there. Actually, have to beat them there. Right, so that you look like the you're the expert on where they should be heading, and if your customers are are, are laggards, then you know obviously, obviously you want to build the uh, the product train as long as you can. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's amazing. So for uh, th those uh, watching along or just joining, uh, we're honored to have George Hope. Uh, I'll call him the channel chief at uh, HPE. Certainly has a lot of different things uh, going on, so feel free to chime in with any comments or any questions. Uh, so moving on here. So you uh, recently had your uh, partner summit in Vegas. I think uh, almost 100 uh, countries were represented. Uh, how was that? That was phenomenal. I mean, we, um, I, I, had to, I had the privilege of keynoting the, our partner growth summit. So we have Discover every year. And yep. we front end it with a with a partner growth summit. And we brought in, so we bring in the partners for a partner specific meeting on uh, on Monday, and half of Tuesday. And then uh, Discover starts with Antonio's keynote on Tuesday and goes till uh, Thursday. So um, I had I had the, the the privilege, I guess, of uh, of keynoting the partner growth summit. 
And, and I, I, I kicked it off kind of with a little bit of a retrospective. Um, I, I, I said to the crowd, uh, you know, I, I did some math over the weekend. And I, try, I tried to figure out how many times I've been to Vegas. And, <laughs> you know, with, with, you know, discovers or kickoffs or, or trade shows or managers meetings or whatever. I think I made one pleasure trip to Vegas, but but I counted roughly 39 Vegas visits over the course of my career, which means I'm old. Yeah, I, I bet you it's more than that, but. <laughs> yeah, I know I had to stop counting at some point. But the yeah. point I wanted to make with, with that was it's it's hard to get excited about your 40th trip to Las Vegas. Although this year, I think, was the most excited I had been uh, in, in a long time because we, we, took, we took three years off, right, with the pandemic. And, and we were, you know, we've, been, we've been looking at each other through rectangles on a, on a yeah. screen for, for so long that, that getting, getting together in person is just, I mean, if, you, if you're out there and you haven't done it in a while, I... I highly recommend it, but um, just just seeing people in the hall, you know, walking around, collaborating, grabbing a, a five minute meeting with somebody walking by, or or you know, having a beer uh, in in one of the you know the establishments later on. It was just a just a completely different experience that I think we all took for granted. Yeah. Um, you know, in in our in our business lives three years ago, and then it went away. And when it comes back, it's you know it's like you you know you fell off a, fell off a horse. You just get get right back on and, and and mosey along. But it was just it was an awesome experience. And and uh, the content you know the content for Discover was was right on point. Antonio and Fidelma and team did an awesome job laying out the strategy. Uh, we got an opportunity to roll out a new partner program uh, or the vision of the you know the future of Partner Ready now and Partner Ready Vantage. Moving forward, we actually had, which which was a surprise, but then maybe not a surprise. We had as many partners come to this partner growth summit as we had in 2019. So you would think there'd be some leakage for COVID reasons and travel restrictions, and we were just right back on it with the same amount of partners. So I thought, I thought that was a phenomenal opportunity. That's great. And um, I, th I think I saw and anything I say is, is public, but I think it was uh, uh, just about 1300 partners uh, uh, yeah. were there. That's so uh, fantastic. Par partner executives. So yeah, the, that's uh, just the partner executive portion of it. There were additional partners that just came for Discover. So there was wow. partner growth summit and then other partners came in to, to walk the floor to get certifications to, you know, to get educated on the new stuff. And a lot of partners brought brought uh, customers. So we encouraged partners to uh, to bring customers in as well. So a lot of them were, you know, in and out of the sessions with their customers, kind of tying themselves to that customer's experience to be able to take advantage of some yeah. of the messages. So overall, I just think it was a phenomenal part, you know, partner event and, and event in general. Yeah. I mean, so the team there, yeah, team there always does a great job and uh shout out fidelma i've known her for a long time it's great to see her uh see her there and uh do, doing so yeah, well she absolutely absolutely landed the landed the platform i think the customers and partners get uh get the vision and and where we're heading with it so that's awesome, awesome. so uh janet jackson. what's that i have a picture of uh with with janet jackson there you go who's right. almost my age oddly enough <laughs> but she was uh I think she's coming out of retirement and she was our, she was our musical guest, which was, uh, which was great. Gotcha. All right. And uh, assume you had security around just in case uh, <laughs> Super Bowl behavior. Yeah. But anyway. by, by, by getting to take a picture with Janet Jackson, what I mean is I got to walk up, stand next to her, snap and walk away. It was like an assembly line, but you know. <laughs> there you go. We weren't awesome. hanging, but I have, a, I have a picture that I can pretend we were hanging. There you go, nice. Just, just like the Pope. So the uh, so you know, discover it's great getting together in, in Vegas, but you've also been traveling uh, globally, right? Recently, yes, I have. I have. Um, I've made. Uh, I think in the last 
the last three or four months, I've been to Europe four times, which, um, you know, which I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been on that, that kind of a streak in, uh, in, in years, which I, I, I thought was awesome. Was getting, you know, getting back out there, traveling again, getting in front of partners, a couple of internal events, but, uh, you know, some, some partner facing things. Um, I had a, I had an eight trips in 10 weeks streak. Like I said, with with four of them being overseas, so uh, it was good to be good. It was good to get back in the air. I I will have to say I'm a I'm a bit of a, a travel martyr. I, I like to I like to complain about it, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Like you know, nothing better than you know grabbing the Kindle and uh, and a binge watch full of you know full of TV shows and just chilling in the air after you know after having been on Zoom calls for. You know, for three years. So, it's, there you uh, go. That's right. It's going to get back out there, but trying to fit it back into your schedule is a little bit of a challenge too, because you're you're locked into the the uh, the fourteen Zoom calls or Teams calls you have a day. Yeah. To try to to try to break away to do a little traveling is you know is a is a feat in itself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a Frank Roush, who we both both know. You know, he he uh, you know yeah. loves to complain about. It. I'm like Frank, you you love it. He's like, yeah, I know I do. Yeah. I just you know, like to complain about. It. But uh, exactly. anyway, now, now what about, so as you go globally, is there any kind of, are there any macro differences in kind of how you see partnering go differently around the globe? No, I think uh, there are, there are, one of the, 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 the funny, the funniest thing I, I, I've seen from a global perspective and anybody that's been in a, in a country that goes global uh, and I'll, use, I'll just use the, the U.S. and, and, uh, and Europe as an example. Um, I think I think people from the U.S. go to Europe, and they think they think it's you know it's like 30 states versus 30 countries, right? Every every you know the, for the most part in the U.S. the states are similar, and you go to Europe the countries are all different, right? But but we always go over there and take the approach that oh, everything's the same you can do it, and it's not true, right? So I think that's that's number one, and then coming the other way, I think I think the Europeans. Uh, coming to the U.S. get a little bit, you know, uh, confused by the size and scope of the U.S. They think it's, you know, like like the France or the U or, or you know France or the U.K. only only bigger, and the U.S. comes with its, you know, with its host of of complexities. But I think I think overall, from a value proposition perspective, um, it's you know customers are customers. They want you know. They want things their way, and you need to you need to be able to accommodate that. And and uh, and partnering is is similar in the sense that they wanna they all want to differentiate themselves and and drive uh, drive value and and be stickier with their customers. Right. I think the partner's biggest fear anywhere in the world is I don't want to get disaggregated from the customer by the vendor. Right. And I think yeah. it's incumbent upon all of us in our in our channel programs to make sure that they understand their role. They understand what we expect of them, no matter where it is. They understand how they get paid and make money. Yeah. Right. And we understand what we pay them for. Right. And and are we are we getting those checks and balances? So in the grand scheme of things, you know, I think it's, it's similar. Yeah, I was always impressed when I had the uh, Americas at HP and uh, Alfredo Yepes, who's a you know fantastic sales leader yeah. and you know, by far the best, I think. You know, is APAC was partner. I mean, uh, Latam was partner of the year last year. So, shout yeah. out but, to Alfredo. Amazing. Yeah, but I mean, what if you think about all those small countries, you know, HP, you know, or company, you can't afford to have the feet on the street yourself. So you are really dependent upon those channel partners, right? So within the U.S. You yeah. kind of have a safety net of, you know, a large direct sales force that lives in just about every city. I mean, there yeah. you don't. So you're really dependent and beholden to that partner. So making sure that you have all those things in terms of the trust and the value prop and the relationship and kind of everything that goes. And I mean, he's just been able to do a masterful job. Yeah, no, no doubt. He, he definitely has. Yeah. yeah so and now, I mean, if, there, there are some more complex territories, like you said, like, you know, yeah. Like uh, you know, Eastern Europe, Africa, APAC. I mean, there are a lot of smaller countries, and the and the the approach has to has to be different and accommodate that. 
So you place running those territories are phenomenal. So yeah, that's awesome. Now uh, you did a uh, little uh, music band gig with the uh, tech uh, tech uh, tackles cancer event right back uh, a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. The um, it, it was uh, it was great to see the the tech community rally. I got a I got a call from uh, from some some of my old Simplicity mates that were that were involved in it. Chris Lynch, I think, drove that and and uh, and and generated I think you know a little under four hundred thousand dollars for you know for pediatric cancer, which I which which was awesome. And I had never, I had never been part of it. I didn't even know it existed prior to getting the call. But when somebody calls and say, "Hey, we we want you to sing," I'm there. <laughs> so, so he, uh, you know, so it was, it, it was pretty cool. It was a, uh, so everybody had to kind of generate. Everybody got a, uh, you know, a homepage and and tried to do some fundraising. And Chris, of course, you know, he he generated the most. But uh, all of us and some of the other players. Um, had an opportunity to try to generate some some dollars and try to find some of your friends with money and get them to kick in dough like I did with Mitch. And uh, but but we what the event was is that there were there was a house band that they that they hired and 14 of us got up and kind of fronted the band. They called it karaoke, but there was no screen with the words. <laughs> so there you were literally you were you were fronting the band. And we uh, we got up there and had a singing contest, and there was an award for uh, for best performance, and I, there was an award for best. I forget how it was. It was just two categories. I didn't win either, so so I'm a little disgruntled. Very helpful. <laughs> but, and yeah. then uh, then a couple of other bands. So remember Ken Steinhardt? Yeah. Steinie's uh, Steinie had a band, and they played uh, five five or six songs, and. The guy Nathan Hall, which I worked with at Simplicity, had a um, had a band, and they they played five or six songs. It was just a just a great night all around, and for a good cause. So, yeah, I saw um, uh, Dave Valente um, last week, who came to one of my uh, the boys' uh, baseball game, and he said he was there and uh, saying it was just a howl and just you know like you know kind of like, like uh, discover I just you know people I was a fantastic event but yeah you know, people were just, yeah. Of just you know just desiring just to kind of get get back together so you know hopefully any of this you know whatever these emergency things aren't don't don't come down the uh, pike at all so uh, that, again that uh, super, that, by the way that could have been a super spreader event we're all using the same microphone <laughs> there you go um, so again for those I that later though it was too late at that point I was like oh there you go. So for uh, those watching along, feel free to comment or uh, post any questions at all, and we are ha happy to get to them. So on your uh, obviously vast team, you got great, great leaders, but kind of you go down to the um, IC individual contributor uh, side, you have really kind of IPBMs, I think is what you call them. That's yeah. kind of really fueling your uh, kind of sales, sales engine, right? Yeah, we have, uh, we have, we have, uh, in the segmented coverage, we have partner business managers that, uh, that cover the larger resellers, and we have uh, we have uh, inside partner business managers uh, essentially that cover you know the the, the the silver partners and below. So, so from that perspective, uh, you know the IPBM team is is an awesome kind of think of them as kind of that you know that that opportunity generation team that. That is recruiting and developing tomorrow's partners, right? And, and right. building their own careers. So it's a great, you know, early career partner opportunity. It's a great way to go uh, and help the company uh, recruit tomorrow's partners and bring them in. And and they're the they're the tomorrow thinkers, right? I found that a lot of the early career people uh, are are very innovative because they grew up using technology, right? You and I had to learn how to do email. <laughs> at some point as we cross through our our career and and you know these folks know how to use social media and and all other digital aspects to drive a business so it's a so big shout out to that team because they're they're not only our future you know from a, uh you know from a, a bench perspective but they're also the the, the future thinkers in bringing that's great any uh, any advice any advice for them 
I, I would say continue to, you know, continue to think outside the box, right? I think, uh, I, I think a lot of the early career folks are, are thinking differently and we want them to, to continue to do that. And don't, you know, don't be constrained. Like when we, when we're, you know, we're working on different programs, uh, don't, don't let the past dictate the future. Right. Think think about things that uh, that, you know, we may not have heard out as, you know, as us as us old folks are winding down our careers and think we know everything we, we don't. Right. And, and we're looking, you know, we're looking for these folks to uh, to, to bring creative things to the table that we might uh, that we might not have considered. And uh, and, and when we when we initially don't want to consider it, push back <laughs> uh, because we're you know, we. We, uh, we we tend to see the world a little bit differently, so you know I yeah. encourage encourage the the dialogue uh, there to, to to help the, the company grow. Yeah, it's, it's always hard. I, I used to I used to hate when people would say, "Well, I had this idea and it got shot down," and ultimately I'd say, "Well, if you think it's a good idea, you know, come come to me. And if it's a good idea, you know, we're not going to shoot it down. We're going to enable you. We're going to kind of put put you up on a pedestal." So. Uh, it's, yeah. it's always it's always tough, but I know you, uh, you you think the same way. And could be a future CEO could be yeah. in uh, sitting. It could in, be it could be Antonio too, the sequel, right? It could uh, is somebody there that's going to be in a in a in a big big role. So there you go. Well, this, uh, knowing so, that I think is an awesome opportunity. There you go. Speaking about getting to the CEO, um, so maybe tell us about some mentors you've had, uh, advice that you've received along the way. I, I I try to I try to pick as many brains as I as I can along the way. I, I would say um, I would say having uh, having a, a, a lifelong buddy in uh, in Mitch Breen has been tremendous, right? As you you've known you've known him uh, yeah. very very long, and uh, and so you know a little bit of a, a shout out to him that I I you, know, you constantly have somebody whose brain you can pick. And vice versa. Like he, um, you know, he and I have a lot of different conversations around how we're, how I'm approaching something, how he would approach something, and kind of an amalgamation. But he's just, he's been a wealth of knowledge over the years. So I've had, you know, ready-made, uh, you know, ready-made life mentor as as that's kind of gone along. I go back to like early, you know, I worked for a company called Future Electronics in the in the '90s. And there was a there was a guy there, uh, Bob Devita, who was just a tremendous, a tremendous asset. Um, and he kind of he was kind of my wake up call, I think, back then, where he um, he he molded me. He saw something, you know, he saw something in the clay that could that could turn into something, and and was you know trusted me, empowered me, uh, leveraged. Uh, Leverage the good, like if you think of Belichick, and I don't want to piss off half the world that hates the Patriots, but uh, fine by but, me. <laughs> but Belichick, you, you bring people in and you know what they're great at and you know what they're not so great at, right? And you leverage the heck out of the things they're great at and you minimize exposure on the things they're not that good at until you can make them better at it. Right, and I think I think from a you know from a mentoring perspective, any any mentors or, or bosses or whatever that that can bring that out of you, um, definitely keepers, no doubt. That's great. So, what what advice would you give to your younger self? Hmm. Uh, study more. <laughs> I think I think we all grew up thinking, what am I going to need this for? You know. I would I would do I would have done a few things differently. I think um, I think I would have you know worked a little harder in school. Uh, I would have learned a foreign language, right? I think as I as I travel globally, um, I, I it would be nice to to speak more than one language, and especially as you travel through Europe, there you know there are two, three, four languages. I think would. Uh, would 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 be you know would be awesome even if i had a second one i think that would be great so i encourage anybody that can do that i also would have learned a musical instrument i i took the time during covid to learn how to play guitar 
which basically means I can strum like seven chords uh, unevenly, probably. But uh, I think musical instruments. So I think from a personal perspective, I think that that, that is what I might have told my younger self to do to do differently. I think from a business perspective, um, I, I think it's don't be afraid of no because you need a bunch of you need to jump over a bunch of no's to to get to yes and 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 don't be intimidated by the no it's not personal it's business right it's not yep. an indictment of who you are it's a it's a you know lack of interest in what you're trying to sell or a lack of understanding in the benefit of what you're trying to sell right so you know keep plugging from that perspective and uh, and then there was another thing i I've always, I've always liked, there was this one book I read called, it starts with why. And, you know, and, and one of the things in there was a, a, an example of, um, of Apple, right? Apple didn't invent the MP3 player, but when they started selling a thousand songs in your pocket, that was the why. People wanted a hundred thousand songs in their pocket. They didn't want a device that digitized the music that, yeah, 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 right. So it's always yeah. it's always about the why. So if you're you're doing anything and you're selling to anybody, you gotta you gotta you gotta find the why, find their why. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Lots of great advice, and we all are are, are learning too, as as you say. So uh, now, what about? I was just thinking about this. Kind of who's uh, older and younger between you and Mitch? He is older by like gotcha. two weeks. Gotcha. Okay. Well, he's, we're just going to leave it that he's older then. Yeah. He's older. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's older too, by four days. I never let her forget that. I don't say Yeah. But she, but she looks much younger. <laughs> oh, like 10 years. Um, so uh, thinking about kind of Sendoso, our uh, you know, sponsor here for this, with uh, the channel partners that you have, you've got obviously very sophisticated uh, MDF market development fund programs where kind of they can do their own marketing based on kind of dollars and programs and things like that that they earn um do you see partners i have to say this in the right way but kind of i'll say leveraging kind of i'll say unique kind of gifting strategies or events to kind of get customers to the table because at the end of the day it's certainly all about the solution but there's always kind of some unique things that you could do to prompt them to kind of respond or kind of get you in that bat yeah, I, I absolutely. I think um, I, I think it's really hard. It's it's it, you know it's hard to get anybody to answer the phone. Uh, so you know people are having to be more creative uh, from an email perspective, from an offer perspective. Right, customers don't know what they don't know, and they just assume they they don't want what you're selling, and they get inundated with things. So how do you how do how do you differentiate yourself? And I think uh, I think you know Sendoso. I don't I don't control the money in the in the countries, but I've I've made some intros there because I think I think it's a phenomenal idea to you know to any, anything that's going to differentiate and get an appointment uh, and 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 get an opportunity to qualify and and further advance the uh, the campaign. I think is a is a great tool. All right, awesome. Uh, and then uh, thinking about kind of the broader category of kind of, you know, sales ops and rev ops. I mean, you go back, you know, I'll say back in the day, you know, kind of five, 10 years ago, you know, ops was basically telling you and showing you kind of what already happened, looking in the rearview mirror, you know, now it's just amazing kind of all the tools and resources that are out there to kind of really more predictively kind of give you an idea of the, the future and what, what, what's going on. Do you see that as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, Back in the day, we used that killer app, Excel, and just you know, created our own little, everybody created their own unique spreadsheet. We use Salesforce. Um, we use Clary to get better insights into it. Uh, from a, My team doesn't get, you know, the, the channel team doesn't get to use it because it's, uh, it's more of a sales tool from a hierarchy perspective. Um, yep. where we're looking to get visibility, but then they don't have the opportunity to feed into it. Um, but it's a, it's an awesome, you know, it's an awesome tool for our, um, for our sales leaders to be able to get more insight and make data driven decisions and, and being able to have the right conversations with the sales teams and not, you know, not, uh, not have the forecast be a, a mystery. So there's a lot of, <clears throat> there are a lot of great, you know, great things that can be leveraged these days that, that, uh, weren't necessarily available 
to us back in the day. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to, to leverage technology in the technology business. Yeah, amazing here. So we're uh, rather than being the cobbler's children that we all were back in the day. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, so we're just about getting to the end here. So if you put your um, kind of future of partnering hat on, any bold predictions as you look down the road, kind of five, five, ten years? Well, I think you know, I we I kind of joke about it with uh, one of the leaders on my team that's responsible for service providers. Um, I, I, we, I, I joke with him, I say, everybody's a service provider or everybody's going to be a service provider in some way, shape or form. And I think, I think the partners, you know, if you think of the, the big system integrators, right, they'll, they'll run your data center for you, right? And so they're, they're providing a service. The service providers are, are obviously running the business on somebody's behalf. The resellers are becoming service providers. And even if you think about it, Customers are becoming service providers. IT needs to figure yeah. out how to provide a service to the business and and give them offerings that they can consume at will and bill them appropriately. So I think that mindset is is where it's all kind of going to. So uh, so thinking thinking through that and 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 playing to that crowd and having offers that are. Um, that, that would be critical to their success, like GreenLake, just a quick GreenLake commercial, but, um, but, but things like GreenLake enable them to not worry about the operational aspect of the business, to be able to, to have that taken care of while they help the customers right. solve business problems that are gonna change outcomes, right? So taking that off the table allows even the service providers or the SIs to focus on their core competency or allow a customer to focus on their core competency and not get mired in the, the administrative stuff. Great. All right. Well, yeah, it looks like HP is uh, poised great with the uh, green light and uh, you know, ev everything and anything as, as, as a service. So uh, it's been awesome having you uh, definitely appreciate it. Uh, ne next week we have Tom uh, Amirati, the CRO of plain ID and uh, his topic is going to be the value of the CRO partnering with field enablement. So like RevOps, uh, the whole enablement field is uh, definitely something that's uh, grown up a lot. And uh, Tucker, thanks for your help behind the scenes. And uh, for uh, everybody, we do um, kind of post this and repost this and uh, get usually average kind of three to 5,000 views in the first week. So uh, feel free to pass the word and chime in. Thanks to uh, Sendosa for being the sponsor. And I think I already mentioned him, but anyway, thanks for uh, Tucker's help behind the scene. And uh, George, uh, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate it.